Good morning. Such a joy to be in this room full of holiday miracles. <laughs> I was glad to hear that, that we all are that this morning. Oh, so um, I want to talk about holding generosity and humility together. And this sermon arose partly because I've been watching people have a hard time figuring out how to respond to some of what's going on in our world, and particularly what's going on in Palestine. And I'm not going to talk about that very much at all, except to note that that is happening, and it's really hard. And it's really hard for lots of people in lots of different ways. And we're having trouble figuring out if or what or how anything can be done to help. And there must be something, right? And it's been, I don't know, that, that it's been going on all of my life and I think all of most of our lives. And it's very hard, and it's not the only hard thing in our world, and I know I'm not the only person who, an hour after waking and realizing I've done nothing but what now has a name, doom scrolling, reading headlines, um, is annoyed at myself for having spent the first hour of my day doing that. And I feel responsible still to know um, so, um, this is sort of a back to basics kind of thing. This is, you've, you all have heard me quote my partner um, of decades now, uh, who said years and years ago, and it's become a, a saying in our house, it's hard to be human. It's hard to be human. That's a really useful thing to hang on to. Um, one of my congregants in, in, up in Nashville, uh, sometime last winter, in the middle of something going on, uh, mentioned a song by an artist named Fink, which is, and the song is entitled, that's the artist, Fink, and uh, Yesterday Was Hard on All of Us is the song he sent us to. And uh, he mentioned some days he just plays that on repeat. And um, it's a good song for that. And to, to remember that yesterday was hard on all of us is sometimes a good thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm also, as a UU minister, sometimes in spaces where people at the UUA staff level, southern region people or other people um, who are trying to support ministers or support leaders in the congregations um, gather us together and they say, oh, now's not the time for strategic planning. Now is not the time to feel certain of what next year is going to look like. Um, we need to be leaning into generosity. We maybe can't define our vision at the moment the way we were used to doing five years ago. We may need to lean into, they, they've, the Southern Region staff suggested at a recent gathering of UUs in Nashville, um, that we lean into, we, we try the idea of prophetic imagination. Um, you know what, and, which I, I really like. That, to my mind, that comes out of the Jewish and Christian traditions. Um, but it's um, the imagination of something that helps us understand the gap between what is and what we wish were so, what we dream of, what we know ought to be so, and how we, no, it's, it's yeah, it's an imagination. So it's, I, I don't want to define it too, too clearly. But um, anyway, these, these people who are, 
trying to figure out what they can say to us to make our lives better um, and our gatherings and our communities stronger. They're saying, don't try to plan it all out. Maybe lean into imagination, prophetic imagination. We come with, certain, with our values. How, what do our values encourage us to imagine about what could be? And to lean into generosity, to lean into connection. And so this, this sermon, this wanting to talk about generosity and humility together is one of my attempts to figure out what that might look like. And um, let's just see where that goes. Um, so generosity, I'm going to talk, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about generosity and humility separately for a minute, and then I'll, I'm going to put them together. Um, generosity happens among more than one person. Usually, I think it is possible actually to be generous with yourself. Self-forgiveness is a form of generosity. But for the most part, generosity is a giving of something. So there's, it implies a giver and a receiver. So in its, just in its very definition, generosity implies community. It implies compassion and love, caring, and making connections, making and, and nurturing connections. Humility, um, we have, I have talked with this congregation before, but I am also aware that there are really happily many people who weren't here three years ago, maybe. I don't even remember when I did humility. It was more than three years ago. Um, so humility is tricky. And I know I grew up in the 20th century as a female person. And so for me, humility was something I understood tacitly applied more to women in some people's minds than it did to men and to girls more than to boys. It was a, it was a virtue, you know, supposedly, it's one of the classical virtues. Supposedly, that, those apply to all human beings. But I, in my experience and my understanding that I gathered from the world around me, the teachers, the writers, um, humility applied more somehow to female people than male people. So. Um, not so much something I was really comfortable with for most of my life. It, it, it carried with it overtones of being judged, being found inferior, wrong, less than. And it's related to the word humiliation. And I want to be really clear that when I'm talking about humility as a virtue or as a tool even, I'm not talking about anything like humility, and I'm not, I mean, humiliation, and I'm not talking about degradation, I'm not talking about giving up anything, um, and I, I'm not talking about anything related to judging, um, and especially judging on binary terms, you know, right, wrong, good, bad. So I, I have been trying for several years now to reclaim humility as, as the virtue that it is, even though it hasn't been my favorite. And what I'm finding really helpful, and it goes back through, I, I've, I um, at one point spent a lot of time reading medieval writers. Um, and, and some of the women writers in the Middle Ages helped me learn that humility is actually an acceptance and a knowledge of one's place, knowing who one really is. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about humility. Knowing and accepting, being grounded in, 
And that is the root of the word itself. Humility comes from the word humus. In Latin, for sure, probably, it, it, sorry, I, didn't, I, didn't, I did not get the dictionary out for this sermon, which is really unusual for me. I think that that looks like a Greek word to me, humus. But it, humus is the soil. It's the ground, the fertile and life-sustaining stuff of the earth. And human beings in the, in the Hebrew scriptures were created out of that dirt. So to be humble, to have humility, to practice humility, is to seek to understand how we are connected to the earth, to seek to understand that we come out of the earth just like the trees, the grass, the bugs, the everything else comes out of the earth. So if humility is to understand, appreciate, accept who we really are, then so who are we? For the purposes of this few minutes, I'm going to say we're a lot of things. So we are humus, but we also know, because we have astrophysicists now, that we're stardust. We are earth, we are soil, and we are stardust. We are holy, we are limited, both. So most, not most, many, many religious traditions in various ways at various times have, have identified or expressed that human beings are somehow con connected to what is holy, what is sacred. In the Jewish and Christian traditions, we are created in the imago dei, in the image of God, for example. We are also, and we know this, we are limited. That's also very strong in the Jewish and Christian traditions, among many others. And we are connected, and we are vulnerable. We are, we are connected always to everything and everyone. This is, and this is one of our really core UU values, this in interdependent web of all existence. Um, I don't even like to say the word interdependent. I, I, I always like interconnected. So for me, connection is connection. We are connected. And we are always, always vulnerable. We are, we're, just, we're just dirt. We're just stardust. We're, we're part of the rearranging of atoms that's going on all the time, right? So I like especially this, this vulnerability that comes up inevitably when you talk about humility um, because for, for today's purposes, it highlights the need for generosity. Often our generosity, out, our outward generosity is stimulated when we see people in need, right? Oh, well why did you give your whatever to whomever? Well, I saw they had no whatever and I had extra. So, um, and so often in our culture, generosity, when it's practiced, comes to imply in the minds of those who are giving that the recipients are humble. Yeah. That the recipients are vulnerable. We often forget that we also, we the givers, we, the receivers, we are in both roles. We are vulnerable, we are limited, and we are connected, and we are holy. So I'm, I'm trying to say that 
if humility is knowing who we are individually, collectively, then humility is a virtue for all of us. Generosity is also a, a, a virtue for all of us. Now, there, if you start reading stories about generosity, you will come across many, many, many stories that people write about a time that they thought they were being generous and they received a gift from the recipient of their gift. You, you know, one way or another, something surprising. It, it, it's actually a little shocking that in our culture how surprising that always seems when it, when it ends up being a mutual transaction. Even the word transaction feels wrong. So humility then is a virtue for all of us. And it is a virtue for us when we are givers. And it is a virtue when we are receivers. And we are all, through all of our lifetimes, always both of that. Always, always. And so I'm thinking that these two virtues, generosity and humility, which I don't actually see put together very often, except maybe to imply that recipients are humble. Um, maybe could modify each other, maybe could strengthen each other or ground each other. And I'm, I'm talking about them both as virtues, but also practices and spiritual disciplines even. These are things we do. And I'm wondering, how can we be, and does it serve this time in our history, the, our needs today to know what to do with the doom scrolling contents of our days. Can it help us to think about how we can be humble in our generosity and also how we can be generous in or with our humility? So when we are giving, when we are being generous, how can we be humble? And I think that um, we all know stories of people who thought or said or may, created a public story for broadcast about how generous they are. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's a, a trying to say, here, I'm, I'm good, or I'm OK, or, um, or join me and do this thing I, want, I, I need help with, but I don't want to say it that way. I want to make you feel like you want to join. Um, I'm being generous, therefore it's okay, all right? Um, and I am aware that many people who think they're being generous also cause harm. And we all do this. We all, it, it, to be human and to move and act in the world, to speak to another human being is always a risk. And it's a risk of not being as good as you thought you were or as good as you might want to be that you're very desperately trying to be, um, and to, to fail, to misunderstand, to um, trigger, to, there are all sorts of ways we can hurt each other. I don't actually want to list them all. <laughs> um, you can go do doom scrolling and find that out <laughs> just fine. Um, but to avoid harm, I'm gonna suggest that if we are humble in our movements toward giving, toward generosity. We need to remember a few things. We need to remember that we may not know everything. I, we're limited. You know? In, when, when we give, we feel strong. We feel empowered. We feel full. We give often out of our fullness, and that is wonderful. And we need to remember that we are limited human beings. 
we do, we may not know the recipients of our generosity. We may not know their needs, their feelings, their values. We may not know their reactions to our gifts, either the, the real reactions they have or we may be imagining reactions that we're expecting and they may or may not react that way. We just, we don't know. We also don't always have a complete understanding but I think we need to remember to, and again, this is to avoid harm in being a generous being in the world. We need to remember the mutual limitations of everyone who's involved, that, that we all suffer, we all are limited. And that is a truth about the world and about who we are in that world. And it is also true that our sufferings and our limitations are different. So just knowing myself does not give me enough information to know how my generosity hits the world. And hits, hits, I didn't mean that in a violent sense. How my generosity lands in the world, let me say that. Um, and we need to remember our need for mutuality um, and, and all the ways in which we share so many needs. And I'm thinking if we can remember all this, when we're trying to be generous, we're less likely uh, to be resentful when the response is not what we expected or the results of what we tried to do don't turn out the way we thought. Um, it puts us in a different place to say, okay, I, I feel called to do this, but I know that I may not be able to make a perfect decision right now. And when I am, when I'm presented with information that indicates that I gave money to the wrong people or offered a gift to somebody who was offended by it or something like that, it puts us in a position to accept that, to, to know that, okay, I know my, what my motives were and they were not, I was not meant to hurt. Um, but I just, I learned something about somebody else here. Not I was wrong or I was right, um, but just, oh, oh, we all have so much going on. We're all so complicated. And this is just another example. I will, I will take this and I will hold this as another truth about who we are, um, who I am. And, and part of the truth of all of us is that we are capable of hurting each other. And we tend to do it sometimes. We just do. So this is what I'm thinking about how we might want to practice generosity with humility. The other question I wanted to look at is how can we be generous in our humility? Because I, I want to just say I think humility is a good thing. I think wanting and trying to know and accept who we are and how we fit in the world, in the cosmos, is a good and noble thing. Um, and that is the essence of humility, I think. So as, as we lean into knowing and accepting who we are and understanding both the miracle of that and the limitations of that and how limitations end up being miracles sometimes and miracles can end up being limit, you know, it's, it's all connected. Um, how do we faithfully practice humility in all of our relationships? Um, and how do we 
how do we bring generosity of spirit, of, of gifts, of genero generosity of all kinds into those relationships? This list actually looks a little bit, sounds a little bit like the other list. Uh, it starts with, we don't know everything. <laughs> um, even though, you know, we're trying to start with knowing and understanding and accepting who I am, I still, I don't know everything. So, um, and we may never know everything. There are situations in which we may never know enough. I, I'm starting to think the Middle East is one of those situations where people living here on this continent probably can't know enough to do a lot to help, to pick sides, to, to know where the right place to send our, our funds to help is. Um, and I don't want us to just wash our hands and go away and not think about it, but, um, but it's, it's really, really tricky. We don't, we don't know everything. We don't know what it feels like to be a Palestinian Muslim in a particular spot or a Palestinian Christian or, um, or a Jewish descendant of Holocaust victims or survivors who's never been to the Middle East but has very strong feelings and commitments about the state of Israel. This is, many of us don't have enough, um, enough experience to know everything there is to know that, that feeds into those situations. So um, to be generous while we are accepting that we don't know means Sometimes we don't, we maybe need to allow a range of reactions, suggestions, uh, attempts to, to change things, and, and we maybe need to be generous enough to give other people the power to solve problems of which we do not know. I am thinking on my feet, I'm thinking out loud, I'm, um, I may be thinking wrong. We can talk about it later. But I do think it is important that we accept that we may never know everything. We may sometimes even not know much of anything, relatively speaking. There are, um, it's just true. And, and this is where Unitarian Universalism comes out of really intellectual traditions for the most part especially Unitarianism, but also parts of Universalism. And um, I don't know about you, but I was sort of, I embarked upon schooling and education, and I got way, way much education. Um, I mean, technically, I spent a lot of years in those buildings, which maybe means I don't learn fast enough. But um, I have always, I always went into those with, uh, ooh, we, knowledge, good, and, and a sense of, um, I'm going to use the word entitlement. I don't mean it necessarily judgmentally, but I, I think I felt entitled to have that knowledge. And I, um, I think I assumed, I think the assumption of the academy is that it may not be easy to get this knowledge, but if you just hang on, if you keep going, if you keep working on it, you will eventually have a closer and closer approximation of truth anyway. And, I don't know that I 
think that's true anymore. And I, the smartest people I've met, and I've, I've hung around a bunch of smart people, um, everybody has blind spots. Everybody has things they don't get, don't know, they're just not part of their experience. Um, so there may be times when we do not need to know. And I think I've, I've run into a fair number of UUs who, if there's a problem in a group, in a community, they think they need to know all the details of it so that they can pass judgment on the decisions that their duly elected leaders have made. I think they are wrong. <laughs> I think there are other needs sometimes. Say there's a, a conflict in a congregation. Sometimes the leaders of that congregation have to make a decision. And it's a decision that affects everybody, but that doesn't mean always that the best thing is for everybody to be able to weigh in on it. And democracy, yes, democracy. But sometimes there are the needs of the people directly involved that have to be protected. And that's part of why you elect democratically leaders to deal with those problems. Um, and so, so that, I mean, that's just one example. There are times when we do not need to know everything that we think we want to know. And there are times when we don't deserve, and I don't know why I use that word, I'm not sure what I mean by it. I should think about that more. But there are times when we don't, we don't, we're not ready for it, or we haven't done the background work, or we haven't, um, we haven't really put ourselves into a real relationship with the people or the groups or the problem itself. So we don't deserve to know everything. We think if we know everything, we can make the correct judgment about it. And I guess I'm saying making the correct judgment about something, A, is not always possible, B, is not always necessary, and C, is not always something every single individual is entitled to. And I'm just, I think you get what I'm saying. I hope you do. And, we, and, and part of this is also because we may not always be good judges. We can't be infinitely well-informed about everything. We can't, we can't possibly be impartial about everything. I happen to think women are really great and got the raw end of the deal for a really long time and still do in many ways. And so I'm a little bit prejudiced. If I happen to go into a voting booth, not that I do this and recommend it or anything, well, I have done. We'll do again, I'm sure. But usually I don't recommend it. If I go into a voting booth and I don't know who these names are on the ballot, and there's a man and there's a woman, I will vote for the woman. I'm saying, we all have things like that. And I could argue why that's OK. My, but we do. We do. And we can't always be wise. And we can't always come to everything with our best, most compassionate selves. Um, so. We need to be generous in order to be humble at all. I think um, one of my very favorite, um, this is something uh, students at the Divinity School um, have told me, one of their favorite professors, is not current students, students of years back. Um, this is not a professor I had. I think I knew him at one point. But um, it was Dale Andrews, who's now deceased, used to end his classes, I'm told, by saying, I have more questions than answers, more problems than solutions. From these gifts, I freely, freely share. And I love that. That's being generous with humility. 
that's saying I, the professor, with all the degrees, and the person who's going to hand you your grades, am saying, I don't, and maybe you don't need to either, have all the answers. I have more questions, I have more problems than I know how to solve, and these are gifts. These two are gifts. These are where we live. This is who we are. This is, again, this is humility. This, we are limited. And we are holy in that limitedness. And we are vulnerable and we are connected to each other in those limitations. So to me, yes, I've talked long enough. Um, I will conclude that generous humility and humble generosity suggest to me that we need to relinquish control and certainty um, or our, our assumed ability to control and um, or our attempts to control things in general. We, we, we are limited. We don't know. We can't control. So sometimes we need to relinquish that. And we need to relinquish our need or our felt sense of a right to verify everything. Because we just can't. We can't verify everything directly. And because we can't do that, I think we need to embrace several things. We need to forget, we need to embrace what um, our second hymn, to, it was, well, it was either the second or the first hymn we did today. We, we begin again in love. We need to embrace forgiveness and beginning again in love. We need to learn to trust each other or trust each other more. Again, because what I don't know, Jim might. What I don't understand, Frank or, you know, might understand. He might get it better. He might, um, Robbie might know the fragility of someone else's life better than I do. Um, and be able better to be the, the, the help they need than I am. Um, we need to embrace listening to each other and listening for what is behind the facts, the rationality. We get really good at listening to, you know, building rational arguments. It's sort of we, the people of um, intelligence worshiping Unitarian Universalism, which is not all of us all the time. Not even, <laughs> not even most of us all the time, I hope. Um, but listening to what's behind those facts and those, that, that spinning of rational wheels, and also behind what's the emotions, because our emotions are real things, but they're not any more real than all the, all the thoughts we spin and the, and the ideological structures we create. So what is, what is behind that? When somebody comes at you with anger or disappointment or grief or yes, that, and what else? What else, what else is behind that? And, and, and what's behind that is a human being. It's a, it's a life. It's an attempt to live out holiness in the world, which is a really hard project. So how can we make more space for people to do that in the ways they need to do it? Um, and then finally, we need to embrace the knowledge that truth and meaning and the search for it, which we in our tradition value very highly, cannot be exclusively individual. 
can't be exclusively legal or academic or rational or emotional. That search for truth and meaning is about all that we are. And that's, that's, a, big, that's a big thing to hold. You know, there, there's me individually. I'm more than I can handle a lot of the time. Um, you may have similar experiences. Um, <laughs> But any, any group I'm with is sometimes a little much for me to understand. Um, the bigger the groups get, you know, by the time we're talking about the UUA, I really don't understand everything that goes on everywhere in, the, in our movement. So it's just, it's, it is hard to be human. And I have more questions than answers, more problems than solutions. And please, let's all share those gifts with each other. Thank you. <laughs>